Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 112, sometimes 2 plus 2 equals 5. Content warning. For certain people who are sensitive to grown adults talking like grown adults about grown adult things, as if no one at all is listening, and both those grown adults like gross jokes and profanity, this podcast might feel like a pole in the eye. <laughs> A poke in the eye. <laughs> For the rest of you, we hope it feels like a just slightly too long hug. Uh, I'm going old school today, and I have not even cracked the notes until right now. Oh. Yeah. Remember how I used to do that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I remember how you used to do that and how it led to long, rambling digressions, just like all the times when you read the notes and thought about them. <laughs> uh, I, went on a, I went on a mandate last night. I was working in my studio all day, and then I went on a mandate uh, with this cat that I've seen around town, and um, I think he and I uh, appreciate the cut of one another's jib. Jibs. And um and we had a couple of drinks, but like really interesting conversation. Like it's rare as an adult for me, it's hard making friends, you know, like anybody who's out of college or doesn't have well, you get a job someplace, say, and you might meet some like minded people through your work, or you uh are in school and you meet you have commonality with your peers and that's how you make friends. But as an adult, you're just kind of wandering, uh, you're wandering through the world. Uh, you're just kind of randomly bumping into a person here and a person there. And, um, this guy was super interesting. It was really fun, but I got home late and I didn't I like barely had time to finish today's post on the black market. And I didn't have time to read the notes and just, I took power down a bowl of stew and I'm having a coffee and then we're having, starting this fucking mess again. Powered down a bowl of stew, so it's eight thirty in the morning where you are. You're full of stew. Yeah. Um, S- stew and vinegar. Didn't sleep super good because all the reasons. I had the horrible thing happen where all night I wrestled with sleep and sleep, uh, and, and so I, I w- like I had to pee and I was like sleeping on my arm and my arm was so it was a little bit of a chaotic night's sleep and then the alarm went off and I went oh no and I turned the alarm off and then I fell blissfully <laughs> back to sleep yeah you only I can seem to only can fall asleep, like stay asleep if I have a flight to catch otherwise <laughs> uh I'm awake you know at like two o'clock in the morning but my hands have done this weird thing my right it was my right hand for a long time and it would fall asleep and it's not that i'm sleeping on it i think it's because my shoulder my shoulder and my chest are so tight that it or something in my elbow or something all that pinches the nerves so i found that if i sleep with my right arm above my head uh it doesn't happen or it alleviates it a little bit but now in the last couple of months my left hand has started falling asleep so i wake up and i'm just like <laughs> like flippers and knocking shit on the ground and I can't, you know, I have to stand. Once I stand up, everything's fine. But once I'm upright, then I'm awake. Yeah. I have the, I have this problem where I have tennis elbow, but only in my sleep. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm awake, I'm, I don't know when the last time I played tennis was what decade even I played tennis, but uh, yeah, I, I go to sleep. I wake up and I'm like, Oh my elbow is killing me i wake up i start to everything's fine my elbow i have no elbow issue 
Sleep is um, dangerous. Sleep is dangerous. It's it's you can. I mean, it turns out you can get tennis. You can get tennis elbow not playing tennis. You get it digging holes or hammering nails or be, being alive. All yep. of all of it. Uh, so what are we? What are you? How you? How how you doing? You lost. Wait a second. Before uh, we get into anything, it occurred to me the other day that you never got around to telling me the coldest you ever were. Oh, that's that's. I felt like this giant puzzle piece missing out of my life. Oh, um, coldest I ever was. Well, there's there there. It's almost always been on the bike. I remember specifically riding back from downtown. It was like eight degrees and a heavy wind and like some snow that wasn't fluffy. Uh, and that was like a 25 minute sprint. And you you had mentioned um, sometime last week or the week before now at this point um, where you thought like if I if I get a flat or something else happens, I'm going to freeze to death. And I, I did have mm-hmm. that experience. I was like, wow, if something goes wrong, if I catch a piece of black ice and I go down. I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm laying here till spring. Yeah. Good times. Um, uh, that but, used to happen all the time in Colorado. Uh, well, somebody would, some kid would get, drink a bunch of Everclear and wander off into a, um, snowbank and die. Like every winter, some drunk kid would fall asleep in a snowbank and freeze to death. And I was thinking about that. Like now it makes sense. Like you just, it, it, all your part, all your, your systems kind of just shut down. You know, even if you're moving, even if you're conscious, even if you're like you have a direction that you need to go, it just everything slows. Uh, mm. And I forget, I forget that I forget what that kind of cold is like. I don't care for it. No, I also, I also like that is the coldest total I think that I've been. But I have a couple of other experiences on the bike. I live on top of a hill, and so to get anywhere, you've got to you put you basically are plunging downhill. And uh, I recall, uh, like, there's a hill on the backside on the way over to Seven Cycles. I always, I, I would in the winter time, you get this thing where, like, no matter what you've got on, it's sort of like someone has driven a nail into the bridge of your nose or the base of your forehead because the the that's the only exposed flesh you've got and you're going down Mm -hmm. this hill and it just feels like someone is slowly inserting an ice pick. Um, but I also, one time I under gloved on a day like that and I got to seven and I walked in the office and it was warm. And as my hands warmed up, they hurt really badly. Like I thought, I think I may have damaged my hands permanently. Like I'm in the office. I'm trying like I can't move them because they hurt, but it's as they're warming up. Mm. Do you have, uh, you know, the the Nanu Nanu gloves? Yeah. The like lobster mitts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have you ever used those? I have. I didn't end up liking lobsters. I've I. Anyone who reads Cycling Independent or used to read Red Kite will know I have written too many words about gloves because I, <laughs> I, th- I think about gloves too much. <laughs> I, that, I ended up getting a pair of those uh, when I lived in Santa Cruz. Um, and as it turns out, it gets really, really fucking cold in Santa Cruz, too. Mm. All, all things considered. Uh, but I... I got some mittens and that that was no good because you couldn't, you can't really do anything in those. That's it. Um, but the lobster gloves, I'm a big fan of, and I have worn those a number of times so far this year. Um, so who who makes the ones you like, uh, the only pair I mean, there's a bunch of companies that there's a bunch of companies that make them, but the, but I got, I got some that were salsa brand, you know, they were made by whoever and, they salsa put a flapped a logo on. That was when I had immediate access to a quality bicycle products catalog. So I was just ordering stuff out of there all the time. Yeah. 
I, I am back since I've been helping out at seven a little bit. I'm back on the quality bicycle products. Uh, oh, it's, it's a wish book, man. It's <laughs> such a slippery slope. And then you're like, well, I don't need 500 brake cables, but I should probably get them just in case. I mean, yep. they're right there. That's, that's right. And they have deal of and, the day now. And you're sort of like, hmm, I don't need an e-cargo bike, but for that money, maybe I do. <laughs> yeah. That, now I realize, that, you know, I think I was probably projecting a little bit as well, um, thinking that, well, I'm, you know, at some point I don't need them right now, but I have access to this. So I should probably order it. And I do have uh, it was interesting because I got Kona bikes uh, quality login information like a year ago for something that I got a fork, a whiskey fork, I think. And when I went to the website. Uh, it it auto filled some guy's bike shop in Boulder, like it was like a one man operation. He made like I don't know. He made some. He made bells or helmet mirrors or something. And I had his login information, and I called Quality and I said, "Do you know why this would be?" And they said, "Did you buy your computer used?" And I said, "No. This is both of my computers are brand new, and I have this other guy's login. It auto fills." Um. And I said, can I use his account? And they said, well, you'd have to get your stuff sent to Boulder. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Details. Uh, yeah, I won't, uh, I won't take advantage of, of that little loophole. As if I could fly to, afford to fly to Colorado to get my bike parts from Joe Schmo's helmet mirror company. I just pay full price for him anyway. I really wish that that was the actual name of his company. Um, I... Since you circled back on the cold weather episode, I want to circle back two episodes to the fashion. I will. I won't say fashion. I'll say the style episode because uh, I want to say two things. First of all, when I was in college and buying all my clothes at the thrift store, I developed a signature look called flannel over sweater. And what you do is it's a V-neck sweater and then you put a flannel over top of that. Um, so flannel. And then it just, what? just looks like a bulky. It just looks like a bulky flannel. Well, it's a thin sweater. Basically, yeah. I, in, I invented the shirt jack is what I'm trying to say to you. Or the hmm. jack shirt or the jackfruit or I invented one of those things. So that's one thing. And today I'm 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 working a variation I've got. I've got sweatshirt under flannel, flannel, um, button to button to the top button, button to the top, like, because Match. it's, it's warm. And as we established, extremely stylish. Uh, the other thing is that I've just 10 minutes ago purchased, uh, a white Dickies work shirt, uh, from the Dickies clothing company. And it's to go with a pair of white pants that I own. And the reason for that is that um, the the women in my life, the fr- my wife and her friends, uh, have this, they, they refer to the white panted ladies. So there's all these sort of like um, semi-affluent suburban ladies. And when they go out, they put on white jeans and then some flamboyant blouse, right? That's the go-to look for the semi-affluent suburban ladies. And they were talking to that about that at some potluck that we were having with our friends. And then my buddy Bruce showed up to the next one wearing white pants. And we were like, oh, well played. So then we all got white pants. So now the guys all show up to whatever group thing is wearing white pants. But now, and I think you've already done this look, uh, but now I've got the white shirt to go with it. You feel, uh, yeah, I did. So we were going to do a, uh, for a wizard staff day a couple of years ago, I went to Seattle and I thought we were going to do a photo shoot. Like we've done photo shoots uh, a few times and they get turned into these calendars, which are just fucking horrific. Um, it's all like more male nudity uh, or, or near nudity than, yeah. than you could ever hope to experience in any lifetime. But what my plan was, because they all have their, like, they all have their Hodala shit, which is Hodala is a, 
the drinking team with a cyclocross problem kind of a situation in Seattle and a bunch of knuckleheads, good, good folks. But I, um, I've always sort of been on the outside of it, you know, like I'm not, I'm not official Hodala. Um, I think Sally's asked me if I wanted to be a couple of times and I don't cause I'm not, I'm not, I don't join things. So there's like everybody doing Hodala shit. And then I'm over in the corner, like playing my own instrument. But on this year in particular, I was going to wear all white. I had white vans, white Ben Davis pants, white, um, uh, a white dress shirt. Uh, I got a white jean jacket, which I since turned into, uh, a vest, but now it's a white battle vest. It's getting less white every day. (laughs) And the whole notion was that as wizard staff day progressed, I would become dirtier and dirtier and dirtier until like I start pristine. And then at the, like the end of the calendar, I'm just like half dressed and covered in mud, but it never really came together. Cause we didn't do a photo shoot that year. So I just decided to like, I'm just going to have a white wizard staff day. And then I've now it's kind of like my go-to dress up stuff, but you feel like you're in a boy band. Like you walk into a room and you just fucking like light the place up when you're wearing all white. It's a bold move. Well, this was, this was kind of my experience. Like Bruce, I want to give Bruce full credit for this because he, it it was his pivot, but then I got white pants and wow, God, no wonder all those semi-affluent suburban (laughs) ladies do it. It really makes you feel special. So I got the white pants, but then I was like, you know, if some is good, more must be better. So now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and I also really like that. This is the, um, this is what I wear when I get together with these specific people. Yeah. It's not an everyday I mean, this look. Is, this is what happens when you become a grown up. is you like get excited about wearing all white, I guess. I don't know. I like it. I, I did it for Joe and Kirsten's wedding party. I, I wore a, I wore my all white shit. And yeah. a captain's hat. So, you know, you would just top it off You looked, with even more ridiculousness. You looked so handsome that day. I found, I found online the other day um, a Pac-Man suit. It's black, and it has Pac-Man chasing ghosts all over it, and it's the suit jacket and the pants. Oh. And I said, wow. to, I said to my wife, I was like, I... I think I probably need this. And she just texted back. Probably not. No. (laughs) (laughs) I had a, uh, what was it? I guess I got it for, we used to have a mustache party where every year we'd all grow a mustache for like six months or a year. And it it was fucking ridiculous. It was, it was like, I don't know. I'm going to say early two thousands. So mustaches hadn't really, taken root yet as a as like a a reestablished facial hair style for people yeah it was pretty much the only people who had mustaches were like saddam hussein and like tv villains yeah and so and i hated it it just it was uncomfortable and i didn't like it everybody who was involved in these parties was an artist and so entry was a mustache related piece of artwork and some of this shit was so cool, like paintings and like steel sculptures. And I, I won one year. So, and if you win, you get to pick of the artwork that which you want. And I get, it's a skull with a fucking snake uh, instead of like as a mustache. Some welder uh, oh. made it. It was it was really cool. But uh, this one year I bought this like Gene Autry like yodeling cowboy thing. And it was like a really garish Western shirt and really garish Western pants that went with it. And I probably paid like $200 for this shit. Maybe, maybe more. It was obscenely, obscenely expensive, uh, for, you know, it's what it's, um, application was ultimately for, but, um, where was I going with that? Just, Oh, buying absurd shit just to, uh, just to have it and wear it and you want a fucking pac-man suit you find a a bolt of budweiser fabric and you take it to your tailor and have a suit made out of that just because why not you know there's something so beautiful in the absurd gesture Uh uh-huh yeah yeah i don't have 
I don't have any fashion sense. I have like non, non fashion sense. I don't know what looks good. I know it looks so bad. It looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have someone who's like, what do you think would look good? I might say, well, I don't know what look would look good, but you know, it would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's get on. Uh, we got, we got a shout outs. Like, we got a couple shout outs. We got a couple shout outs. I want to shout out Bix Firer, uh, uh, who is an Alaskan. A fella who listens to our podcast, he's going through some business right now. Uh, His mom has pancreatic cancer. I went through that with my brother. It doesn't end well. Uh, Also, congratulations, Bix, on the imminent birth of your first child. Good job. But that is a swirl of madness. That is a swirl Mm. of madness you're living in. And I just wanted you to know that we're thinking about you. That's gnarly. That's really extreme ends of the emotional spectrum. It sh- yeah. it sure is. Um, also, Joe in Florida, who sent us a really nice message. Holy cats! I like. I don't know. I I would like to. I'd like to read it just because it it was so concise and so beautifully put. But uh, the upshot is that um, I guess we are doing some good work here. I don't know. Maybe letting people know that the shit that they're going through is not, they're not going through it alone or something. I'm not. Well, it's actually the topic of the show today. Uh, We're actually going to get into it a little more and try to figure out why this is working for some people. (laughs) Okay. Well, like I said, I haven't looked at the notes, so I can't. Oh, it's uh, going gonna, gonna, to it's, it's be great. I, I'm flying. I'm flying blind. But uh, yeah, so I appreciated Joe reaching out and uh, I was really thoughtful and it, it made me feel like maybe we're not just wasting our time here. Well, I mean, like most people, if there are seven days in every week, I probably spent three of them thinking that I've completely wasted my time and that I should quit everything and give up. And then you get a note like Joe's note and you think, okay, we'll go another week. Fuck it. Yeah, it really doesn't. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take much. And the idea, the idea of just uh, disappearing, like I, I always, I, I want to do that all the time. And as technology advances and I don't want to be tethered to these electronic mediums. Um, and then I just think like just pulling the plug on everything seems so appealing. Yeah. And I think that that ratio, the three to three to three out of seven days, I think that's accurate. I mean, I'm, it's, it's just less than half because I feel like I'm a real black and white thinker. Like if it becomes 51%, then I'm fucking out of (laughs) here. Yeah. I think there's three days where I want to give up on everything. There's two days where I'm just on autopilot and there's two days where I'm like, no, no, I'm on the right track. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I'm not relating to that, but at some point did you did seven used to advertise on my site for a quick minute, had a banner. Were you responsible for that? Yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, I was responsible for it. If you think about the audience for All Hail the Black Market and the likely market for the finest titanium custom bikes in the world, there's not a ton of overlap. However, I think at the time, this is going back a little while, but at the time, you were like, it's a hundred bucks a month. And I was like, okay. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, so this, I think it was last night or maybe night before last, that notion just sort of dawned on me like, oh, maybe, maybe robot was the person that was responsible for that. Cause it was like, th- this is like 14 years ago or something. And this, you know, or maybe around that time. And, and I also didn't know we've gone over this a bunch of times, but, um, I also didn't know that you and I already had a relationship with one or one another via email exchange, like around that same time. 
I didn't know that you were the guy at Seven Cycles, and I didn't know that that Seven Cycles advertising on my site was also you until 2024. <laughs> so I've been like I I live this fractured reality where I don't know who I know anymore. I don't think I have known who I know for well over a decade, and it just it took. I think we recorded with each other for a year before I it dawned on me that you were the same guy that I used to email, right? I don't know so how now, long it was, but I am your, I I'm your fairy God dirt bag. I'm your, I'm your, <laughs> I just like, I wonder what else in life I'm missing. You know what I mean? Like what, 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 what is hat? What is happening? Who do I don't even know who I know. I don't, I'm just, I'm just floating. And I, the more time goes by, the more I realize I have no fucking clue what's happening. Like every day is, it's like Groundhog Day. There are like three to seven really nice women out in the world who are like, my boyfriend, steve And they're like, <laughs> you're like. <laughs> oh, what? His name is also steve That's wild. That's so I have weird. A, I have a whole family. I have three kids in Cincinnati. Yeah, that I've completely forgotten about. I have a, a nice. I stepped out to get some milk, and then I forgot what I was doing, and I wound up living on the West Coast. <laughs> it's all going to come together at some point. I'm I, almost positive of it. I think you and I, for a decade or more, have been like pool balls bouncing around a table, occasionally like knocking into each other, <laughs> and now we're both just in a pocket somewhere, uh, waiting for the Ooh. next game to start. Fucking wild. Wild. Huh. Okay. Um, well, thanks for clearing that up. Got no more loose ends in my life. <laughs> Let's uh, do music picks, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll get on with the meat. The meat. So my music pick this week is the album Grievances by Kowloon Walled City, who are an Oakland band. Um often likened to neurosis. So they're heavy, they're slow. Um, yeah, slow, heavy, kind of harsh. There's a lot of empty space in there. It's, it's the sort of music you listen to when you're thinking about giving up everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, And, and I would say this about, Kowloon Can't have too much of that. Yeah, I I will say this about this band. Um, All of their records, I think, are equally good. Uh, So there's Gambling on the Richter Scale and other and this one, Grievances, and there's a couple others. They're all kind of equally good. I think you only need one. I picked this one because I think it's the most listenable of them. If you don't like slow, grinding, heavy, dense music, don't bother with this. Uh, but if that those things do sound appealing to you, not a lot of bands do it better than Kowloon Walled City. Also, the actual Kowloon Walled City, uh, if you get a chance, uh, look that up because it is amazing. It's this super densely populated area of Hong Kong and it was walled in um, and it became like a, a organized crime enclave at some point. The architecture is literally like things built on top of each other. It's just like an absolute warren of a place. I think the average apartment there is like 35 square meters or something. It's just a ridiculous kind of thing that eventually the government there bulldozed. Mm. Evicted like 35,000 people. Interesting. Uh, There was, I mean, it's so, um, it's, it's so wild to like, maybe have seen the name. Or I I don't know, I was just kind of like, while you were talking, I was kind of doing a little bit of investigating. And I I can't imagine that they haven't crossed my radar at some point, uh, being that we shared uh, an environment. Um, 
or if I just saw the name on a flyer or if I've seen them play with somebody, but uh, definitely worth investigating. Um, and I will say it's funny because <clears throat> you're just comparing them to neurosis and neurosis. I love neurosis. Like you could say, I like neurosis, but you only like the punk rock shit or you only like the industrial shit or you only like the like doom or whatever shit. And the last time I saw them, I think I saw them. Well, they played three nights and the one night that I went and saw them, I saw them with uh shellac of North America. And, um, I think I've referenced this before, but you don't, it's not like toe tappy, you know, it's like, it's <laughs> no. like you, you're, you are, um, it's like you're, you're suffocating under a, like a mountain of wet wool blankets. Like it's just, it's so overbearing and it's so fucking dense. It's dense emotionally. It's dense, uh, auditorily and, uh, you, uh, you know, I feel like when I see bands like that, I gotta be in a, I gotta go in in a good mood. Cause if I'm feeling a little somber, uh, I'm just going to end up like de decimated, you know? So anyway, uh, Collingwall city, I'm going to investigate. It sounds troubling. It's <laughs> correct. I, before I before I uh, made this my pick this week, I was like, God, is this really what I want to do to people? <laughs> but I do. Uh, we'll <laughs> but see. I did and I do. Well, last week I went on this whole big thing and then ended up picking the fluid. But I, I wanted to pick. I had two picks. So I'm going to use my second pick. And it is uh, it's a rabbits and Gatheist split both. Portland bands and it came out in 2015 and I have no idea how this slipped. It did. It, it didn't, I never picked it up on my radar. You know, it, like I'm a huge rabbits are fucking killer and I'm a huge Gatheist fan. Uh, and when I found it, I thought I was like, Oh man, brand new music. Uh, so, but it wasn't, it's new to me. Mm. Some of it, I think there's a couple of songs that they have on other records, but it's, it's fucking great. Uh, so that's my pick. And also because I've been thinking about, I love having a party and, uh, got a hold of Gatheus yesterday and asked them if they wanted to come play my birthday again this year. And they said they, they're going to do it. So they will be the Van Halen to my Jeff Spicoli again this fall. Uh, if anybody's in the Pacific Northwest and would like to see them. It's I, I, maybe I'll make that trip. Uh, I, cause I have not they're seen so I've not seen Gatheist. Oh, they're so fucking good. I saw, I was really excited. I saw them in San Francisco the first time I ever saw them. And, um, they were such, such cool dudes. And then I had a party in Vegas, uh, for one of the, you know, interbike related things. And they came and played. And that was the second, I guess the second time I saw them. And then the third time I saw them, I had a party a couple of years ago in, in Bellingham and they came and played. And, uh, they never, they don't come this far north anymore and they're never, they never are playing when I'm in Portland. I always check, you know, maybe, maybe we'll, uh, <clears throat> cross paths, but, uh, the only way that I can see them is to like have a party and <laughs> get <laughs> them, them to drive up, pay them. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Gatheus and rabbits on a uh, good to die records. It's, it's a banger. Before before we go to the break, I just want to say you brought up Jeff Spicoli, who I uh, was talking about just earlier today, because when I was in New Zealand, I went to this this big uh, grocery store called Pack and Save. And uh, at the Pack and Save, all they do to stock the shelves is they just cut the top off the box that the food comes in and then they just put the box on the shelf. So it's pretty industrial, but which I liked. Um, but the, the thing that struck me about the pack and save in Taupo, New Zealand is that upwards of 50% of the people in the store didn't have shoes on. And uh, <laughs> among the men, shirts were very optional. And, um, I was explaining that to my friend Steph at seven earlier today. And she was like, Oh no, you have to wear shoes in the grocery store. That's so gross. And I was like, 
you know, that was my initial imp- impression as well. I was all like clutching my pearls, like, why don't these people have shoes on? But then I thought, nope, Spicoli, the Spicoli principle, less shoes, less shirts everywhere. Oh, man. So I'm going to try to bring um, shoeless grocery shopping to the Whole Foods here in Arlington, Massachusetts <laughs> and see how that goes. Uh, I think. I mean, I'm all I'm all for it. I don't think wearing shoes all the time is really good. I think it, it, it you know, I could get into all kinds of new agey hippie shit and say that it disrupts your energetic flow between the the earth that bore us and and us as organisms sharing space and whatever. But it's, you know, feels like I like I like being the no shoe guy as much as I possibly can be, which is not very often because as it turns out, riding a bike with no shoes on is difficult really navigating a hard and angular world with no shoes on is can be pretty challenging. I have a problem. Every time I see someone skateboarding barefoot, I, I, I like seize up inside, like part of me. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, uh, the, I don't, what are they thinking? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, good for them, but also the notion of falling down, and dragging my my toes and my toe knuckles and ankle bones and shit across the ground. Whew. God. That's a spicy meatball. No thank you. <sighs> yeah. But not good for them. You know, that worked in the 70s. I just, I'm not built for it. Nope. Um, all right, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Hi, it's Robot. By this point in the podcast, you're all in. You're going the distance. Not all your life choices are the best, but that's okay. None of us is perfect. Here's where I lay it on the line. We're going to entertain you for an hour. We'll do it again next week. In a month, we're going to give you four hours of belly laughs and deep, deep thoughts. All we need from you is a $3 a month subscription to the Cycling Independent. Three bucks, a cup of coffee, a really cheap beer. You've, You've got that money. And we, and we need it. If you've got more, there are 5 and $10 subscriptions, but we're not pushing. We're not pleading. That $3 would help plenty. And now, back to whatever inane nonsense we were talking about before. <sighs> we're back. Uh, basic premise of today's show is the basic premise of the show, uh, by which we mean that we've been hearing from people who find whatever it is we're doing here helpful to some degree or another they're inspired or encouraged or they learn something about themselves and as we talk about ourselves and our challenges it's weird uh neither of us is a therapist and far from it we're just a pair of jamokes jamoking around for an hour or so uh so why does it work uh, for us and other people um honesty i mean i think we're honest with each other uh, we're honest. It's, uh, I said at one point, like really bearing my soul publicly, uh, is easily, easily the punkest shit I've ever done in my life. Um, because you're making yourself vulnerable and you're, and you're making yourself open to criticism. And, and that's not, that's n- not how we're hardwired as people. We're hardwired to protect ourselves physically and emotionally. So for me to come out and say uh, all of the things that uh, scare me and all of my fears and all of my hopes and dreams and plans and schemes and to really own that shit, I think, I think uh, it, it resonates with people and maybe allows them an opportunity to begin to take steps with being honest with themselves and being and and, and being okay to be uh, making themselves vulnerable. And that's today's show. And that's, I think, yeah, that is today's show. And I think that's, I think that is exactly right. We were talking, I, I think I was telling you the story a week, three weeks, some point in time about when I decided to get treatment for my depression. And I remember as I started to just talk to people about it, it was a fucking revelation. It was unbelievable. Like, letting all of this toxic crap out um 
and not carrying it around anymore and not like trying to, there's so much energy. There was so much energy for me that went into like convincing other people that I was okay. Mm -hmm. And when I stopped putting so much energy or when I started putting as much energy into like dealing with my shit as I was putting into hiding my shit, uh, things got way better real fast. One of the things that I talked about with the fella on my mandate last night was uh, sort of uh, this whole notion that like as as a man and I'm not I'm not fucking boohooing or saying like men are victims, blah, blah, blah. I think I think we're victims of a situation of a of a environment that we've created. Um, uh, and and he was saying you were talking about suicide rate, like suicide rate for people our age has gone up in the last five years. It's gone up eight uh, percent. It's gone from seventy five percent to eighty three percent. I don't like it so far in this year. He gave me the stats. It's staggering. Like tens of thousands of people in our demographic have already killed killed themselves this month mm. in this country, mm. and um, and and you know this is just like this is just uh, I'm reiterating a stat that he gave me, so it could be you know completely wrong, but um, he was talking about how the economy. Uh, plays into that as well because we're supposed to be the we're supposed to be the providers and we're supposed to be the pillars and we're supposed to you know suck it up and walk it off and don't be a pussy and on and on and on this john wayne this bullshit john wayne mentality I, i think it all plays into it this is by no means like the cut and dried version of of why this happens um but the sooner I recognized that I'm just, I'm also just trying to survive and it's okay to stumble and it's okay to fall down and it's okay to not be the everything to everyone. And you really have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. Um, once I began having that conversation, uh, it took a lot of pressure off and I'm not even like, I don't have a family. I don't have, I don't have anybody. I don't have anything to support or anyone who relies on me, um, which takes a lot of the pressure off. Uh, but even having a partner that I was trying to be the one for when I wasn't being the one for myself was, was a, a huge, uh, uh, deficit in in that in that dynamic that i never even picked up on yeah yeah i think that's right and and what's crazy is i i've picked up on a lot of these things now but i still find myself defaulting to like bad ideas and bad behavior mm-hmm. you know what i mean uh because i do think there is a lot of cultural um rut you know you get like your society and your culture steers you back into roles based on gender or whatever that are, you know, not helpful. Um, and I, so I find myself kind of like making the same mistakes in thought and feeling over and over again. The other thing I was going to say was that, you know, the suicide rate is largely, I think, a function well, they call them deaths of despair, right? And sometimes that's economic and sometimes it's social. But I think for me, and maybe this gets at why whatever we're doing works, it certainly works for us. And it's always fascinating to me to hear from people that it works, that whatever we're doing works for them also, is that despair is kind of a function of loneliness. Like there's all this pressure and there's all whatever cards you've been dealt Genetically, like I come from a long line of depressives, um, to to feel like you're not alone with that, because I think sometimes uh, people feel like, oh, I'm the only one who feels this way, therefore I'm weak, and I can't fix it on my own, 
And that's where despair comes from. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of the, so you and I have had this, I guess, chance relationship over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, But then when we started doing this podcast together, the relationship was like from the jump based on talking about our mental health. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was a big piece of what I was managing, you know, for a, for a couple of years before we started this. And then certainly once I'd relocated and was facing this whole new chapter, um, every, and it's, every day was a challenge emotionally and mentally. And it still is really, you know, I have distractions and, and things are good, but every day is still like, fuck Mm. the sooner I'm done with this, the, the better I'm going to better off. I am, you know, like it's, it's, it's a, that was a, a topic that, that this guy and I talked about last night too. Like if, if you've ever had anybody who's ever had self-destructive ideation, uh, knows what that crossroads is like. And every time you're at that intersection, you can take a right or a left. This is the analogy that I've come up with. Um, probably not, uh, uniquely like I'm sure other people have as well, but you could take a right or you take a left. If you haven't come to that intersection ever before in your life and you just always like, it's just always left. There's never an intersection. It's always just a corner and there's hills. There's, there's a sense, there's descents. And I'm just always on this path. But those of us who understand self-destruction, self-destructive ideation know that that intersection is a fucking constant. It's a matter of always making the decision to continue to either you're going to sit there until you're ready to go left or you're going to go left. Going right never ends. It ends your issues, but it creates volumes of issues for the people around you. Um. And people can't, you know, if you've not been here, you don't, you can't relate. So, uh, I, maybe, maybe that is another aspect is that we both understand intrinsically, uh, and intimately what it's like to, to have this be a part of our daily, uh, weekly, monthly journey. Um, and I don't know if that's gender specific i can't imagine that it is i think no. it's human specific right uh and i i don't know man i mean we're we're able to articulate it sort of is <laughs> um and maybe that maybe that resonates with people or, or just but just i know i kind of like veered off topic but i just keep thinking about like why does this land with people what is and and i think it all plays into everything we just said vulnerability shared experience understanding of loneliness understanding of despair acknowledgement of these things we don't look away from it sometimes we maybe look a little bit too deeply into it well i think that's right i i think reflective consciousness is a real uh fucking detriment like humans hold ourselves up as like we're the most evolved species but ugh, no yeah a little less thinking would be great um yeah but then you're gonna be one of those people that like you know fucking has gender reveal parties or kill somebody because <laughs> they took your parking spot <laughs> I'm going to have a gender reveal party for myself <laughs> next year. <laughs> yep. Still am whatever I identify as. Yeah. Killer. You guys were wondering if I had a dick. I do. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Going to release a bunch of balloons. Go. That's what, that's what, that's what I told like, I hate fucking, I like, I watched a lot of Dateline mysteries and at the end of them, almost without exception, one woman was killed and her friends and family released a bunch of butterflies. And I was like, she's fucking cool. Her friends are cool. Her family's cool. Her loss 
was profound and everybody else is like hooray and throws a bunch of balloons in the air and i fucking hate it and i'm like man when i die just cut to the chase and throw a bunch of garbage on the ground (laughs) 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 uh all right, okay. so I'm going to organize this. This, this, uh, when Stevel passes away, if I'm still alive, I'm going to contact all of his friends that I can, and we are at an appointed time, and we'll coordinate this across time zones. We're going to go to our kitchen garbage. <laughs> we're going to pull it out, and we're just going to throw it out the front window of whatever <laughs> house or apartment we live in. Sending notes to heaven. Yeah, fucking banana peels and aluminum foil in your yard. Um, so my friend, uh, Laura, the witch, she just went to a memorial for a friend of her, for a friend of hers. And he was, you know, proudly atheist and proudly agnostic or one or the other. Uh, but then at some point in this memorial, uh, like the family preacher or his nephew's youth pastor or whatever, got up and said a bunch of stuff about God and Jesus. And Laura's like, Man, way to fuck up a memorial for a person that just absolutely had no stake in in yeah. that uh, system of thought. And so we were discussing a little bit about like what happened. You know, what do you do? And you always say people always say like, "Oh, I want to have a party or whatever." But honest to God, just like throw me in the fucking trash. And if you can afford a band that everybody can come and get hammered, not even in like my memory, just. Go live your life. Have fucking make mistakes. Like if if I could hope for anything is just go out and keep fucking up. That would be that would be all I could wish for anybody. But this like this celebration of life shit is foolish <laughs> from my perspective. Yeah, which have to have to have that caveat. Uh, otherwise, people tell you you're wrong. So, uh, question one: Our relationship is unquestion. Our relationship is unquestionably had a positive mental health impact on both of us. Uh, why do you think that is? Maybe for the same reason that this works for other people is that we don't feel like we're by ourselves in any of this mire. Yeah, I think part of it. I think that is correct, but it's more than that. It, it, and. You know, it's almost we t- we joke, we laugh all the time about how much our um, style, philosophy and life experience overlaps to the point that we both wear. Randomly, we have both <laughs> surveyed the entire underwear market and chosen the same underwear. <laughs> totally, t- totally unbeknownst to one another. That that was funny. Yeah. But we had even remember we found out that the first thing we ever shoplifted was like a piece of like we have some like the same shop and uh initial like our life of crime as shoplifters began almost identically yes yeah so uh, part of it is i think we've identified like you have the same experience and outlook that i have and this is your experience so when you talk about it i can relate to it more deeply than i could some other people and, it, you know, these are all human experiences. I don't think they're I don't think it's a case of like people very different from me have very different feelings. I don't think that's the case. But I as a skeptic and a cynic, I do think I want to be like there's a there's an ease when you have so much in common with another person in in being able to trust that what they're telling you mirrors your own experience. Uh, yeah. And they're not just taking the piss, you know, like they're not just talking to hear themselves talk like this is stuff that we both genuinely believe in. Yeah. And I, and I think that that me that's that means something. It does. I think so. And maybe that's, you know, it, it's not uh, coincidental that everyone who writes to us to say we've made a difference in their life is also a derelict. Question two, we hear from people all the time that we've talked about a thing they're going through. Why do you think everyone is going through so much shit all of the time? Because uh, <clears throat> they're human beings out in the world. And maybe, I mean, maybe everybody's always going through shit. It's just that there's this, um, the, our anonymity 
uh, is easier. It makes it easier for people to open up. Like I, I did have that experience. I have had that experience with uh, the website because it's just a voice. It's just words on a screen. And there have been a, a number of times over the years where people share like pretty fucking heavy stuff, men and women um, that they've experienced because uh, I'm an, I'm a faceless sounding board. You know, mm, uh, mm. I'm not looking at you. I'm not judging you. Um, maybe, maybe uh, there's a little bit of honesty and, uh, or trust that, that I'm not going to judge or that I might have a, uh, some, something of value to respond with. But, um, uh, people are always going through shit. It's just a, a matter of the fact that they trust us to share it. I don't know. Maybe cr- that's crazy. Well, this is part of my point about human consciousness, because my dog didn't have troubles. You know, he would. My wife will sometimes say to me, can I help you? Can I can I what what can I do for you? And it might be like I'm cooking dinner. What can she do for me? Or I say, yeah, I'm going through a, a spell of depression. And she'd be like, what can I do for you? And I always say the same thing to her. I say, all I need is a little love and a little encouragement. That is it. That is all I need every day, any day, whether I'm struggling or whether I'm succeeding. All I need is a little love and a little encouragement. And I learned that from my dog. Um, May he rest in peace. But he would come over. uh, He would come over every morning and he just wanted to be um, petted and talked to in like, you know, a slightly stupid voice. Uh, And then, you know, some food. And he's good. He's good. I think, and and it's so easy to love and encourage dogs and cats and animals, like, but we don't do it with each other. We're so reserved and shitty with each other. Well, dogs and cats and animals aren't the ones that take advantage of our kindness. You know, I mean, they, they benefit from our kindness, but they don't take advantage of it. Yeah. They're not opportunistic and people are the worst. Uh, question three, do we, we get, we got through all that. That seems like we, we wrapped that up with a pretty tidy little bow, didn't we? Sure. Sure. Would you rather have to receive all your nutrition by catching food in your mouth thrown to you by a special trained food throwing monkey or suck all your nutrition out of a human sized gerbil feeder suspended from the ceiling? Um, it would be cool. Did you, you remember a movie called monkey shine? I think that's what it was called. But a guy, he's paralyzed, and then he gets a helper monkey. But then the helper monkey gets, like, wicked jealous. I think the helper monkey murders his girlfriend, and then he <gasps> tries to kill the guy. And he has to—I saw it in high school, so I'm, I might be misremembering. But you're either misremembering, or you've just written the premise for the best film ever. Go on. <laughs> I think the guy has to kill the monkey with his mouth. Cause he can't do it. Like he has to, the monkey has to get close enough to him. So he has to regain the monkey's trust. <laughs> I might have made that part up for sure, but I know that there's a movie about a psychotic, uh, helper monkey, <laughs> but I do love monkeys. And if it's just like, Hey man, I mean, I would take a long time to have a meal, right? And your helper monkey is like throwing a handful of mashed potatoes at you (laughs) or peas. You're like each fucking pea. Jesus. I feel like his name would be Giuseppe or something. He'd be sitting there. Well, two things on ever two things on this. uh, You didn't read this part where it says for the purposes of the question, because I anticipated your bullshit for the purposes of the question. It is not your job to feed or care for the monkey. The monkey is self-sufficient. I I didn't, I didn't scroll down uh, through the notes. So, but, okay. but, but to your Still. point, I think like you're ever watching a manufacturing video or whatever, and it shows somebody and they can like fold 70 pizza boxes in, in a minute or, yeah. oh, they can like, um, roll and, and tie bagels and put them like, you know, people get these automatic, um, muscle memory skills built up. So they can do things very quickly. I think you and your monkey would get very efficient. I think you could eat probably a half pound of mashed potatoes in under a minute with your monkey. Mm. Maybe the monkey learns to, um, you know, roll them into little balls and is just like, 
<laughs> hucking them at your face? Uh, I think I'm, I don't know. Good one. The I mean, problem I'd, with I'd the gerbil like feeder is that everything then becomes liquid. Right. The same consistency. And then you get these, you get these like sucky lip muscles. So probably you're out in public and you look like that because you eat all your mm. meals through the little sucky bottle suspended from your ceiling. I guess I'm going to go with a monkey because I'd like to have a little buddy. Yeah, I think the monkey's the obvious choice. <laughs> if, you've, if anybody picks the gerbil bottle, uh, th- these are like these are like litmus tests for like where you land on the scale of psychopathy. <laughs> and uh, monkey, natural answer. A- anybody who gets a gerbil bottle, you're like, uh, nope, you're automatically you're you're fucking certified psychopath. I would love for anybody who thinks the gerbil feeder is the right answer to come at us in the comments or email us directly. Robot at Cycling Independent, Steve at Cycling Independent. Because I want to, I want to hear. I, I'm sure that I'm not thinking this fully through. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious what what the uh, uh, the general consensus would be. Uh, so now with all of that, having been said, we got an outro, uh, for all you well-meaning people who want revolting to continue doing what it does, we'd beseech you to drop a couple of ducats in the tip jar at the cycling independent, please. The alternative is to resign yourself to a lifetime of listening to AI podcasts that are somehow more human and heartwarming than this one. Yuck. On behalf of the cycling independent and the revolting podcast, I'm Steve. And I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it.